0: The following was edited by mm. Pop Pop Audiovisual. For more information on Pop Pop Audiovisual, please visit our website poppopav.ca.
1: Welcome back, everyone. My name is Jess i I'm here with my amazing co-host, Donnie.
0: Hello, everybody.
1: And you've stumbled upon perfectly average people. Don, how are you doing this week?
0: I am doing awesome. I can't tell you how much retirement is done (laughs) a great thing for my health. I love it. I love it.
1: Oh, well, don't rub it in too much. (laughs) (laughs) We all get there eventually someday and we're having lots of fun right now. So I can't complain. Anything you want to share with me? I think you had something.
0: Before we get into today's podcast discussion and just bring up some information that I don't think all our listeners know, and I want to share some great comments that some of our happies have sent to us. Now that has come from a a listener, so I'm actually just going to keep that. Oh, wonderful. If you are listening to this, obviously our main platform is Podbean, and you can find us on the Podbean app, which is perfectlyaveragepeople.podbean.com. Dot com We are on Meta Facebook. You can look for us there at Facebook.com forward slash PAP9000. We're on X, formerly Twitter. Our username is PAP9000 as well. And then, of course, an in Instagram, one word, perfectly average people. So for our one listener who's out there, please pass that <laughs> around and tell people that's where we're at. And of course, we are stored on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts. Now you can get the links. If you go directly to podbean.com, uh, you'll find in that page the Google Podcast link and the Apple Podcast link. There's one thing I want to talk about. There's a really cool app that I found out there. It's called Antenna Pod. Hmm. Have you seen this one?
1: I have never heard of this. No.
0: It's not as busy as Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. It actually only hosts the podcasts that you want. So you ever notice when you open up Apple podcasts, they're always like,
2: look at this, look at this. And they Mm -hmm. have just,
0: yeah. So antenna app, it's like an empty app. You type it in and just the podcast shows up that you do.
1: Oh, very interesting.
0: No advertising. It's it's quite cool.
1: Oh, well, thanks for that. I'll check it out.
0: Let's talk about fan club. One of our listeners by the name of Craig, he mentioned this. He says, my attention is not easily held as it does waver, but it didn't waver when I listened to your first episode. I am a member of the fan club. We call ourselves Pappies. And then one from Steve, a refreshing break from the usual. I love the challenge they have set themselves for to find the remarkable inside the ordinary. Isn't that introspective? Like, Steve, yeah. dude, like.
1: Appreciate that coming from him. Mm-hmm.
0: Honestly, I think Steve could solve the space time continuum if you gave him a lab. I think he'd be one of those evil lab guys that could probably <laughs> take over the world.
1: Anyway. He's great. We'll have to have him on sometime too, because he's got so many interesting interests and, and hobbies. So he would be a great guest. I will share too some breaking news with you, Don, because I'm so excited about this. Literally an hour ago, okay. I had somebody reach out to me on LinkedIn, someone who have only recently met through a program that I'm taking and he has made a first guest nomination. So he reached out. It's a small business owner, creative content developer. She's the author of her first children's book, the co-founder of a nonprofit. The list goes on. She sounds incredible. I can't wait to connect with her and hopefully have her join us. I just thought, how incredible is that that somebody has reached out and enjoyed our last two episodes so much that they want us to to have her on as a guest
0: that is cool Jess like episode yeah. three and we already have people saying I want to be on the podcast
1: yeah right and again like I, I'm just very excited about all of this and I will also say Today's guest is also famous in his own right. (laughs) He's a respected industry executive and business leader and is the co-founder of several companies. He has a vibrant entrepreneurial spirit. On a personal note, he's someone I worked with at the very start of my career. He's an inspirational leader and someone I hold in very high regard. So Don, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Ron. Mr. Ron Bettine, welcome.
2: Uh, thank you such high praise for your first two episodes i hope i'm not i hope i'm not the third episode that takes you down
0: (laughs) (laughs) no
1: chance no chance ron (laughs)
0: okay
2: well thanks for having
0: me hi ron it's good to meet you i'm looking forward to this because jess has told me nothing so i'm coming in blank i'm ready for this let's do this
1: yeah wow okay I'm actually just gonna turn things over to you. You can set it up however you'd like, and then we're gonna get started. And I just am looking forward to this conversation and I think we're gonna have a lot of fun. Don's gonna have some great questions for you too.
2: Thanks for having me. And I'm actually coming from the headquarters in Bridgeland, Calgary. So if you're wondering <laughs> where I'm at on a very sunny day. So I think you're getting all weather types on these forecasts too. So yeah, so I've had a few really pivotal events in my life and I have to say, you know not just you don't even know pivotal events are gonna happen. And you don't know how pivotal they are so in 2011 my son um he was just graduating from high school and he was looking to go to school in vancouver so in the spring of 2011 I said well let's do a little road trip i know jessica you have teenage sons there so he was in charge of the budget <laughs> right so this was his trip so he kind of planned it all out he booked the hotels and uh, we were okay we went down salt lake city and stayed there on a budget hotel and then we went skiing at utah and then on the way there we actually uh, uh had to go through reno and uh have you ever used hotwire no hotwire is great but you have to actually say how many minimum stars a hotel you want to stay at ah <laughs> yes so he got a deal for an 18 dollar a night hotel at uh, circus circus in reno oh wow yeah so uh we went there it's the only place i've ever slept with my clothes on there's enough stains on the carpet to go, I don't know what happened here. But uh, when we arrived, they gave us a $50 casino card. So in my son's mind, we had just made money on this trip, right? We should be actually staying here all the time, right?
1: That's like girl math right there.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, we managed to blow that 50 bucks. right away Uh, so then we left there uh, and then things got interesting because then all we had to do was just drive up to portland stay at portland and then head up to vancouver so the rest of the trip was just the rest of the road trip however um maybe i'll ask you have you guys ever been up the portland coast at all up the oregon coast no
1: no it's on my bucket list though
2: gorgeous amazing windy roads great scenery You really shouldn't do it like my son and i were doing it was just like get here to there we were halfway up about coos bay and we drove by these billboards that said rent atvs rent quads dune buggy rides and we looked and they were on one side of the road and the other side of the road were these huge amazing sand dunes it was like a sign we should stop and rent atvs so that is where the story changed a bit for me actually
1: i love that it's it was an unscripted part of your journey because i often tell people to not script themselves because you know it's so much more interesting that way but i guess there is some risk in unscripted right
0: i pulled it up on google Maps, so you're right by the
2: coast there mm-hmm. i'm looking at some of the pictures right now it's amazing yeah it's amazing country amazing yeah so we went in we rented atvs and and we actually uh We own quads, so this should be a no-brainer, right? Um, In fact, we had a choice. They'll either drive you around in the dune buggy or you can rent your own ATVs. And why would we want someone to drive us around? And that is the most fun. So we took off, and and it really was fun. So for about 50 minutes, these sand dunes are like huge, Mm -hmm. huge waves of sand. Um, And we had a blast. And really, if anything should have gone wrong, it should have gone wrong at the beginning because we were messing around, probably doing stuff we shouldn't have never really been on sand dunes before but when you do the orientation they're very specific right um about things you need to know and and we were listening not that well because we already thought we knew how to drive atvs and we just wanted to get out there right yeah so anyways but one of the things when they do the orientation they say just keep track of where you're at on the sand dunes in case anything goes wrong and they're like these huge series of waves so we, we were at the end and we had to turn around and go back. We had about 10 minutes, I think, to go back. In fact, I, I think I remember saying, hey, we got to get going. We're going to be late. Uh, well, well, because we'd only rented them for one hour. And the last thing I want to do is ride back a minute late and pay for two hours, right? <laughs> so,
1: Of course. Why, why would you want to do that?
2: <laughs> yeah. So being in a hurry, these waves actually from the coast... Just the way, I don't even know how exactly they're made, but on the coast side, they're quite flat. And then they just get bigger and bigger, these dunes towards inland. So we had been horsing around on the high side. So we went down to the flat side, bombing along the flat, and we hadn't gone too far. Well, first of all, I'll say, have you guys, do you snow ski at all? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So you know, in that flat light where you just, you can't see shadows or yep. anything like that. All of a sudden you're skiing and then poof, The skis drop right out and you go where did that dip come from well it turns out sand is exactly the same in flat light so i was bombing along and out of the blue this sand the world just dropped out from under me right and i shot off a sand dune i must have tipped the brakes just over the top and it was probably 15 or 16 feet however and I must've got the momentum changed. So I basically dropped out of the sky straight down, nose down on the quad oh my. and landed in a flat spot right. there. In fact, it was so square that all the energy went up through my arms and my neck. And because uh, it turns out that I'd broken both my arms and my neck.
1: Ron, I have to tell you the first time I heard and I shared some of this with my son the other day and he said he broke his neck and he's alive. I didn't think you could break your neck and and be alive. So terrifying.
2: Yeah. Part of my story is I am so grateful. I love life. I enjoy life because I know my life could have been so different, right? Because really, literally would have actually just paralyzed. Of course, worst case outcome would have been to be dead. Mm. The point of the injury isn't necessarily the worst place because they actually had to rescue me now right so i'm laying there on the ground i actually was a little concerned that i had done a spinal injury because my hand was numb turns out probably my hand was numb because my arm was broken laying sideways and i was still conscious the whole time actually and and i remember a couple things it's weird things you remember i remember the quad was still running so I actually was kind of worried about that so I told my son can go turn the quad off right like that mattered really at all oh, um <laughs> And then I actually told him, you know, I said, you know, I might have a spinal injury. Don't move me. And then what he remembered, because it turns out he actually paid more attention to the orientation than I did, that the emergency phone number was on the flag on the back of the quads. Wow. He phoned the number. And then I think along the way, some other people did come and nobody moved me. And then eventually the place that owned the quads, uh, they rushed out and we're probably there. I think probably about 15 or 20 minutes later, they got there. Um, But then they had to call a rescue and as the Hauser Volunteer Fire Department and Dunes Rescue Crew came. Wow.
1: That's how you know you're in the middle of nowhere.
2: And I remember how long it took for them to come and they basically waited. And I didn't see it at the time, but I heard after this Volunteer Fire Department had souped up this Econoline van with big dune buggy tires and turned it into a bit of a rescue ambulance for the dunes. They came and got me um, because it had been raining. Actually, every one of the dips between the dunes had a bit of a puddle and a lake in there. Oh no. They did all the right things. They mobilized me and they treated me as if I had a spinal injury and thank goodness, because I did. Right. Then they had to get me over seven sand dunes back and forth. They got stuck along the way. And all along the way, all I can remember is they kept saying, we can meet in the ambulance, the highway, they'll give you morphine.
1: This is what stuns me, Ron. Like I know when you shared this before that you had no painkillers, you had no, and you're going over sand dunes with broken arms and a broken neck. Like I can't even imagine the the pain you must've been in.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's all relative, right? I literally could have been dead. They could have been cleaning up a body. And actually, I remember a bunch of conversations around there about them trying to figure I don't know if you've ever been around a vehicle that's stuck, but everybody got advice to how to get unstuck, right? Right. So <laughs> I, I remember all that going around the outside, but basically I just wanted to get drugs, right? Uh yeah. And I got to the highway and for the life of me, they must have given me drugs right away because I actually can't remember a thing until the hospital. So I'm pretty sure whatever they gave me was awesome. <laughs> In the meantime, though, actually, my son followed the ambulance into town. And then he actually phoned my wife, said, You know, dad hurt himself on the quad and think he might have dislocated his arm, which it turns out to be the exact right thing to say. Yeah. Because she didn't panic. She immediately, and, and I have to tell you so anyone who's an entrepreneur does zero medical coverage half the time, right? It's costly. My wife works for the Palliser School District. They were covered. So thank goodness. And a little a public service announcement don't ever leave the country. Without travel insurance, because you never know how expensive it'll be.
1: Yeah, wise.
2: So we get to the hospital, and Coos Bay, it's a lot like Banff, actually. Um, You know, it has some of the best spinal and orthopedic surgeons around, because it turns out adventurous people hurt themselves lots.
1: Yeah, they break their bones. They Sure, that makes
2: sense. Go figure. <laughs> so this little hospital, which is almost empty when I arrived, had a, a spinal surgeon and an orthopedic surgeon. And I'm, I'm fairly oblivious to most of the stuff going on at this point good drugs i guess and and to be specific i ended up with a plate from my c5 to t2 so basically the vertebrae right between your shoulder blades like that's where all the energy went so he's explaining all this to me of which obviously i wasn't comprehending then and i can't remember all the details now and my arms but but he wanted verbal approval to do spinal surgery (laughs) i I really probably had no choice what are we gonna do have a debate with him um however it was my phone a friend moment. I said, can I phone a friend? And my son, of course, it wasn't me phone. It was him. So I phoned my friend was my my cousin, Scott Jarvis in Calgary. He's a neurologist. I didn't know who else to call. And it was kind of crazy because 99% of the time, he actually never answers his phone, right? And he'll call me back two weeks later. Uh, this one particular time, he answered right away. And my son's holding the phone to my ear. And I explained, hey, I'm laying in hospital in Bay and I got to get spinal surgery. Can you talk to the surgeon? Yeah, sure. And then my son hands the phone over and they talk back and forth. And, and it turns out I learned a lot of this after is that my cousin was in a bar in Montreal. Um, he had been at a conference and it was, he was sitting with like five of the top spinal neurologists in North America this, in this bar. This, this right?
1: gives me like goosebumps, yeah. Ron. Like yeah. what are the odds of that? That's just so wild. <laughs>
2: It's crazy. And the conversation wasn't whether I should get spinal surgery. I guess did a whole risk assessment with this spinal surgeon who's suspect he's probably pretty pissed off. <laughs> right? To honest with you, like how, was, how did this happen? Right. <laughs> I was, it was a quiet, sleepy March, nobody in and next thing you know, he's oh. getting interviewed. So, uh, so at the end, uh, I think then they must have immediately put me under again. And so that night I had spinal surgery and I, like five of my vertebrae are fused. And uh, along the way they kept resetting my arms and my wrists. And this was all basically within 12 hours and we didn't end up in Portland. Had my new adventure recovering in the hospital, so.
1: And you weren't there very long, right? They didn't keep you in the hospital for very long.
2: Well, it turns out that when the insurance company is paying for it, they don't actually talk to the patient much. Hmm. I think the only conversation was, is he ready? Can he go home? Can he go home? You know, we estimated cause yeah. for a while we were seeing, we actually literally seen some of the bills come through and it was within a week north of 200000 US this thing cost, wow. right? And the longer I was down there, the more it was costing the insurance company. We were kind of grateful that we had insurance.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs>
2: in retrospect i probably should have medivac home but within a week my wife flew down rented a van drove from portland to coos bay picked me up and took me home and i i you know it's like out of the movies because i had a neck brace on both my arms were braced and off we go and that first night in the hotel Portland. I don't even know how because I couldn't sleep. She propped the whole mattress up. This was not a hospital. This is a Best Western, right? The next day we went to the airport, and I can remember they wanted to give me the big seats, but we—I think they booked the big seats, and then they saw me and said, "You can't." be on an emergency exit oh row. God. Right? You can't open the door. So they put them in the second row. As people were loading the plane, I could see their eyes. They'd turn the corner of the coming in the doorway of the plane and their eyes would go big. Oh and, my God. Right? <laughs> they will go past it. We had change plane in Vancouver. And I just wanted to go home so bad. It's a bit of a blur to me, but we went to the hospital and it was crazy. I think there's accidents all over town. The emergency room was just packed and and I'm pretty drugged out, I think, because I should I just, just want to go home. I just want to go home. Finally a doctor came look me over. And I think I said, "Can I go home?" And he obviously said, "If you like." And again, I never should have said that because I didn't stay overnight. And what we learned is, I never really got into the Alberta healthcare system because um, we went home. And then after that, Sheila was like my Alberta healthcare system. After that, right? Um,
1: wow, that's so so challenging.
2: It was. She's amazing. Sheila's amazing, actually. So
1: there's so much more obviously to follow, and and all the recovery and everything else that you went through, but. I just have to ask like what is it about you and I know you're also very humble but in this moment try not to be through all the experiences you've had in your life what helped you to overcome all of the physical and the mental challenges while you were recovering
2: Oh, good question. I mean, I've always been a I'm always forward-looking person so I don't live too much in the past. In fact, you and I joked a bit I if I ever get a tattoo, which I don't know if I ever would, be literally behind my neck that says no looking back um because because it kind of represents i literally can't look back um but it's it's i don't know what's a bit of wave in and i actually i look back to the whole time i never once it's crazy but i never once thought that i was going to die or be paralyzed or anything and i look back go, oh that was kind of naive of me it could have been so much worse right you can't change the past right so mm-hmm. all you can do is look forward to the future and 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 life throws curves at you all the time, right? And yeah. I'm—I've had an amazing, adventurous life, but any one of them could have been the worst point in my life, or it turns out to be the pivotal change in yeah. my life. So I guess that was just another one.
1: When you think about that, so you're—you basically said this is kind of who you are, and and you're just somebody who never does look mm-hmm. back. But how did it reshape your perspective on life? Because it had to have had
2: well for sure actually so a couple things is you know if you're going to try something life could be over just like that right so it's something you want to do and and for me um you know i've I've actually been fortunate to do a lot of things but for me i kind of when i re re-evaluated after i said hey what are some things i want to do so i actually said you know i'd love to get my graduate degree right go to graduate school so i literally i kind of did some research and i ended up applying to queen's uh queen's business school and i got accepted in their mba program and uh and I went and got my MBA and I, I don't know. I think you know, it was always something that I kind of wanted to do. And I, after Max, I thought, well, well, why not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like what's stopping me? So, so yeah. And then, then I started a whole other uh, venture in my life. A couple of things that were kind of cool out of there. So when I did my MBA, I actually went in too soon. It turns out I should have waited to recovery, but I couldn't sit all the time. So when I was, did my MBA, I actually had to stand and then I actually had a treadmill. So I repurposed a treadmill. So I um, built a do-it-yourself treadmill desk um doing my MBA. So I so I literally say I walked my way I walked my way through my MBA because I physically could not sit the way through it. Um out of the it was kind of out of the Queens uh, program. They have a, at the end you have to do a capstone project. So I did capstone on manufacturing a treadmill desk and then and my classmates jumped on board and with a couple of classmates we said, hey well let's just turn this into a company so this was the risk part of me that i don't know if i'd ever done before we literally i didn't know anything about manufacturing design product design marketing anything but i kind of did as a capstone project and three of us at our mba class said well let's just start a company so we started a company and we basically invented the what now is the walktop treadmill desk
1: which i think lots of people will like listening will know what that is right i mean especially with the advent of this hybrid and work from home more and more people are doing that what I think that timing probably was pretty great for something like that.
2: So, yeah, so that's been cool. And we're still manufacturing and selling them. You know, my primary business is more executive uh, management consulting, but uh, just because I like my self life interesting, we actually have this walktop treadmill desk on the side. So, yeah, that's cool.
0: I look at this on a psychological point of view. I want to go back to this part. Why didn't you freak out? Why weren't you yelling? Why weren't you, you know, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. Like Mm -hmm. we're all products of our environment. Mm -hmm. I'm going to sound like Fraser Crane here, but how was your relationship with your parents? Was it good, indifferent, strange? How would you describe that?
2: Oh, good good question, because no one's ever asked it to me. So I have to think about, you know, um, learn a lot from my parents. And, you know, the word that comes in my mind is resilience. Mm -hmm. You know, and and I, I couldn't draw a straight line between my accident and my parents except for the fact that they had a lot of hardships right so my dad he went to grade 10 he ended up going out on his own he did all kinds of hard labor um then decided to be a barber but most and, and even at that time I remember his story was when we were young in the 60s uh you know I, I can't remember it but he said he was a barber just scraping by and then everybody became hippies right so all of a sudden he had <laughs> He couldn't even make money barbering. Um, you know, I learned a lot of this actually later on in life. In fact, some of it recently. But hmm. but they were always not hand to mouth, but they were super resilient because when nothing didn't work, he went back and got his grade twelve. He hired on BC Hydro. Um, we ended up. That's how we actually ended up in northern BC because he got a job with BC Hydro, and we were in. Well, we moved from Golden to Fernie, and then we ended up in Chatwin, BC. And that was all because they were trying to make something of their lives, right? And and it's funny, we lived in a trailer court with a bunch of friends and I look back and it turns out we were in the poorest trailer park in town. We had no idea, right? They went from one thing to another. And you know, if I was to describe it, it's it was resilience mm. and just caring, right? They just cared. They weren't trying to be extraordinary, right? They yeah. were just trying to be ordinary people who had a decent life. And um, now that I'm dissecting a bit, so my mom actually got cancer when I was 14. And she almost died, actually. And quite honest with you, when you're 14, you have no appreciation for what your mom's going through because that doesn't matter, right, to a (laughs) 14-year-old. And they protected us from it. She recovered. And then my parents actually lived the best part of their life for the next 10 years. And then my mom got cancer again. But I can remember at that point, they said, you know what? We just can't afford not to take a vacation. We can't afford not to do these things because life's too short. So, Mm -hmm. So yeah, so maybe I can draw a direct line back to there because they actually made a very conscious effort of enjoying life, no matter how much, you know, it wasn't about money. It wasn't about fame, fortune, you know, those things about just making the best of the life you have and, and resilience kind of got them there, but then they actually just enjoyed life. So good question, actually. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Beautiful. When you were young, did you know you were poor? Not a clue. In fact, they talked about times where we basically had less than a buck Yeah. between paychecks and because a neighbor gave them food, totally oblivious to all that, yeah. This dad, some friends from the trailer park. Right. And if we look back and we, we we were actually kind of trailer trash, but we didn't have a clue. Right. We, <laughs> we just had a life. <laughs> yeah. You're the typical trailer park boy. Yeah. TPB. I'm a trailer park <laughs> boy. Yeah. And I can say that actually proud because us trailer park kids have all done quite well. And uh, yeah, we all started out pretty humble beginnings.
0: Yeah, I married a TPG, so I got a trailer park girl.
2: (laughs) You actually went back on a quad, not on the dunes, but I actually got back on the horse. If my wife was here, she'd be gone. Uh, So we own quads because we had a cottage and in May we were down the cottage and I was on our quads and uh, she wasn't not too happy about that. And uh, my doctor is funny because I I use line of my doctor, although. So when I left the hospital, he I had the neck brace and all this stuff on. And like,
0: you weren't riding the quad with the neck braces.
2: N- no, but he's funny. He okay. said, What do you have to worry about? Like, what am I to worry about? I said, Well, you can't break your neck again. It's titanium. Right. So, so, so I'd use that. I'd use that line of my wife, Well, I can't break my neck again. Right. <laughs> didn't oh didn't actually uh, work too well. So, so yes, I've quadded since then.
0: <laughs> well, Jess. Episode three, we're done. Ron, thank you so much for your story. I know out there you have inspired our one listener to tell your story out there to many. So Jess, what do you think? Are we ready for number four?
1: Dawn, I am ready for number four and I am so excited to bring you this next guest. She has an incredible story to share with everyone.
0: Okay, everybody, take care. We'll see you in number four.